transmission incoming. Welcome to the Potable Picture Show. Let's do it. Episode 0086, titled, Nay, I Say, you've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. Episode 86, this episode will be covering Neighbors 2. It was way back in Episode 3 that we covered the first Neighbors. We'll play a little bit of clip of that in a bit. Just a random clip, nothing that I've personally selected. And we have a cocktail, a classic cocktail and cocktail corner. We have some movie and or booze news from the heathen. And I think uh, I think that about covers it. There's always full of surprises. It's an emotional roller coaster every week on the Potable Picture Show. Let's head into the VIP booth at the top of the cantina and get today's show started. Well, here we are in our VAP booth at the top of the cantina. We're all wearing our formal wares, meaning that we are not wearing pajamas. Sitting across from me on the big boy's bed, the head organizer of the Sierra Nevada Movie Club. She also likes to close boat loans. Her other hobbies include frowning, and sitting outside. <laughs> Her name, I did not introduce you. Keep your trap silent. Because I could have been talking about someone else, but I wasn't. Her name is Heathen. I also like to quote bank policies. Yeah. that's And, a, and bank regulations. Those are fun. That's how to make acquaintances and put friends to sleep from Heathen's book. All about me. I'm heathen. <laughs> if you're n- shut the fuck up. If you're new to the picture show, or if you're just parched like you've just crawled through the Sahara and you need something deep in your throat. Anytime you hear this sound, uh, that's that's fine to hit this baby. Go ahead and have a drink along with us at home. I am drinking Anchor Steam from Anchor Steam. And I don't have anything because your host is pretty fucking rude. Yeah. Oh, thank you. People know, after 85 episodes, 86 episodes, that it is bring your own beverage to the potable picture show. We do have a full uh, liquor bar to the left. And we have a beer fridge. We have all kinds of things to drink. Um, Yet w- I wasn't offered any of those things. I don't have to <laughs> offer you anything. You know where it is. 
Jeez. You usually come prepared and, just, and then you just fake drink like some sort of... Fake drinker. Like some sort of uncool <laughs> kid at a high school party. <laughs> um, I was listening to episode three a little bit at the beginning and I had a suggestion that we don't need really need to follow anymore. But at that time we did was I had suggested doing a kill count eat at the end of each episode of how much we had drank. Um, I think uh, on episode three, I was listing everything we had drank on episode two, which was like two growlers of beer, um, a bottle of liquor, like a third of another bottle of liquor. Those podcasts really got out of hand. Well, you, yeah. if you listen to this podcast, you hear the way Heathen is at the end of each podcast. That's the way we were all, all were by halfway through each podcast. Let's have a little sample of great the last one. Um, I've just went forward like 27 minutes, so I don't know what we're going to hear. It wasn't something that I heard earlier. Sure. Took his compuntance. Comeuppance? Comeuppance. <laughs> I just Are you to, reading that? I just wanted to say come and Zach Efron in the same sentence. Um... But no, he was responsible. He wanted well, he wants to. He wanted Dave Franco to, to run away and go to acting school at the very end. He said he had a lot of potential. Say, I, I thought he wanted acting. to go to finance. I thought he was going to be a lawyer. No, or he wanted him to be he wanted to be president of the United Nations. Right. Oh, that's right. That's good. And that's <laughs> I was just making fun of I was one. making fun of the Franco's acting okay. family. There we go. That's when we had Portland Mike. This is before we had Beer Maker Matt join for episode four. Before Beer Maker Matt was spawned. He still exists. He's just a world traveler now. Traveling around the world with his boyfriend, John. He's decided to give the other sex a try. <laughs> um, That's very accurate. All right, heathen. Uh, do you remember that episode? Um, weren't we at Portland Mike's house? Yeah, we were in the old cantina downstairs, and his young neighbors upstairs were having some sort of Pokemon party or something yeah. that they had invited us to. It was rather interesting. That's when we used to drink a ton. Here's to Mike. <laughs> That's fine to hit this baby. There you go, heathen. Have a drink of Anchor Steam from Anchor Steam. Gross. Um, how about we talk about this day in film history? Film history. Today in film history, do you know who was born, Heathen? In 1907, a famous Western icon. He didn't do just Westerns, but I think that's what people think of. Um. He was born in Winterset, Iowa, before he moved to California. Wayne Newton? I don't know. How is Wayne Newton known <laughs> for know. Western? I don't You're know. You're on the right track with Wayne. Okay, that's okay. So I am right about who I'm picturing. Well, I just not, don't have well, the last it's not Wayne name. Newton. He was born Marion Michael Morrison. Quite a name, but Marion doesn't Wayne. carry the same sort of macho cachet as John Wayne. Okay, that's who I was talking about. John Wayne was born in 1907. Um, that's all I'm going to say. But let's have a drink to John Wayne. Uh, it's fine to hit that, baby. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Now you have to drink twice. <laughs> Suck that head. Suck it. Lick it off the carpet. <laughs> all right, Heathen, can you please drink when I, that happens? <laughs> 
killing so much time. I am not. You had to suck the head off of it. Anyways, I spilled some beer in the cantina because I get really tired of having to hound Heathen to drink every time she hits a baby. Listeners at home know what I'm talking about. They say it's one of the most irritating things. I don't know if they say that, but they don't like it that you don't follow the rules. I am following the no rules. One... We're sharing one drink and you spilled it. So what am I supposed to do? Rip it out of your hand? No one doesn't like a rule follower in the cantina. The, the cantina is not about fun. It's about regulations. So the Ghostbusters movie, the ladies are talking about their experience getting slimed. And um, I guess it was not a great experience, especially for us grown-ass adults. Well, none of them were Nickelodeon stars, or they would have known. Um, there also had to be multiple types of slime that could act in different ways depending on the scene in question. Apparently it took Months to make up enough batches of the corn syrup and glycerin concoction. You know who's a, a slime specific... that can act in different ways? Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I don't really care for him. He is odd looking to me. Yeah, he's a slime. Definitely not on my. Actually, I'm sure there's someone that's more. Sex you know who actually list. came to my mind when I thought of someone that was a slime was John Lovitz, but I knew there has to be someone better. He's not a slime. He just looks like a slime. So what Melissa McCarthy said about it is, you can't move once it's sprayed because it's so slippery that the crew had to put towels down so you could walk but as you try to wash it off it regenerates so the more you try to wash it off the slippery slippery slip ear <laughs> it becomes leslie jones said it's terrible so awful it multiplies it is like the slime stuff they use to sell in the little jar yeah it's got to be some sort of or no well those weren't oil-based I don't think, because those were non-toxic. But it sounds like it's got to be some sort of oil-based slime, like a petroleum. Corn if... syrup and glycerin. 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 Okay, it's the glycerin. McCarthy then said, but it has the viscosity as... Vicosity. Vicosity. I don't know. Sorry. I might be mispronouncing it. Um, as you touch it, like the hair goop from the 80s. Kristen Wiig said, with a little bit of mucus. And then McCarthy said, and a whisper of vomit. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was hilarious. So you're all about the Ghostbusters news. I am. So I'm going to do a big meetup on it. Everybody needs to come, except for Kevin McRae. Since since you're not good at sharing the beer, I'm going to just go to the bottle of rum every time we hit a baby. That's fantastic. I'll have That's some of that. That's fine to hit this baby. You should get me a, sl- a shot glass while I'm reading my news. Have a sip of beer, heathen. Scientists in Germany. Heathen, have a sip of beer in between stories. I'm what reading. Your I'm focused. There was something else I wanted to say about that story, but I can't remember. I guess, oh, yeah, did you ever watch Nickelodeon as a kid? No, I was too yes. busy doing things like dancing and, and dance rehearsal and singing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> remember how they always got slammed? And that still looked like a big thing. Yeah, like on the Nickelodeon Awards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It also happens at the Adult Video Awards, but it's a little bit different. Yeah, that's what I meant. Scientists in Germany have found that they can tell when a movie audience is watching a specific... What is my problem today? The Pacific Ocean? A a suspenseful or funny scene based on the chemical profile of their breath. 
Oh, your breath changes depending on emotion. They have a ventilation system of a pair of screening rooms at a theater complex in Manny's. In Manny's? M-A-I-N-Z. I don't know where that is. Is that in Italy? Uh, It's somewhere in Germany, I'm assuming, because it says scientists in Germany. Okay. Jeez. Pay attention, fool. Trying. Um, They analyze the data on the chemical... Uh, It's fine to hit that baby. That's a solo hit a baby. Go ahead. Oh, no. No. Mm, um where was i they analyzed the chemical compounds expelled exhaled by viewers during 108 screenings of 16 movies the study covered more than 9500 individuals visiting a theater the films ranged from the 2013 remake of the secret life of walter mitty to the hunger games catching fire and including comedy horror and romance breathless wasn't one of them. <laughs> the pure humor. I know. It's fantastic. I'll never finish Scientists this were able... Yeah, you will. Get going. So, you want a straw? No, hurry up. Scientists were able to tell just by looking at their data what kind of scene had been playing. For example, the chemical signature of the Hunger Games was very clear. Um, <laughs> Disgust. Contempt. Explaining that carbon dioxide oh, no. and isoprene levels in the airways increase significantly as her- the heroine begins fighting for her life. When the heroine enters your blood, your pupils die. They also had the audience breath changed because seeing Mortal Kombat on screen triggered a collective fight or flight response, hmm. releasing of hormones including adrenaline and cortisol that pump up the heart rate, blood pressure, and glucose affecting respiration so what's the purpose of the study i i I like the the test if you want to test something like this i think doing it in a movie theater is a cool way to do it but what are they trying Uh, they're they can't just be testing what people are feeling during a movie it's got to be have a larger application i'm guessing it didn't really talk about why they were doing it i can only just assume that they were trying to do what scientists do by Hmm. i mean like one of my science experiences was which experiments was going well, that's just a personal ex- experiment that I like to do. I prefer to have both holes at the same time. Um, one science experiment that I did was which detergent, washing detergent, was better? That's like a grade school one, right? Everyone yes. does that. Just like at second grade, everyone does. Did you do the bean sprout? Where everyone had a bean, they had a bean that you had to grow in like second grade, and then you had to do like a journal and measure how much your bean had grown? When I'm talking about not being, a lot of people were doing the the machine washing one. No, that, I was entered into the science fair. For no, that. that wasn't one that we all did, but I think we had to choose a science project, okay. and that was one that like everyone chose. I don't know what my science project was, or that I probably didn't do one, and I probably almost failed school. Yeah, because you were too busy I mean, watching Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. It's called Nickelodeon. <laughs> I said Nickelodeon. Like Nick Cage, like Load, and like. Eons like, of like people. E, like Ian. Eon from the... E, oh, that's Egon from the first Ghostbusters. For, what do I know? Not a whole I'm lot. I'm a dummy. Better hit a baby. <laughs> what the hell is that? That's what happens when they see my bean grow. <laughs> <laughs> For 49 years, the Elks Lodge in Tacoma has sat vacant. If Mike and Brian McMiniman have their way, it will reopen next year. Known for touring historic 
turning historic buildings into brew pubs and music venues, the McMiniman brothers hope to have the formal Elks property renovated and open by the end of 2017. They have 54 other locations in Oregon and Washington. The brothers plan on turning the Tacoma building into a 46-room hotel with a brewery, restaurant, and music venues. So it says they only have 54 locations? I thought they had 62. Yeah, I, this is probably not right. Because when I read that, I was like, no, I'm pretty that sure we went like to it's from the Inquirer. 700 of them. Maybe During a tour on Thursday, Mike and Brian McMiniman said renovation ex... Uh, what is wrong with me today? Estimates have nearly doubled, and they're looking for investors to help raise the $10 million needed to complete the project. This is something I thought was interesting. Uh, minimum investment started 150000 so maybe I should do that instead of buying a house. Uh, interested investors should contact McMiniman's chief financial officer, Chris Longanetti, at insert email address here. Mm-hmm. The brothers put a call out for investors to complete a project in Bothell, renovating the Anderson School. That project was completed, and we were there in 2015. They should go on Shark Tank. But the Shark Tank guys, they had that one beer guy that came on Shark Tank. You watched that one, and then no one wanted it because they either weren't... None of them seemed like very big boozers, and the ones that kind of were were more like... I can't remember who it was, like Mark Cuban or someone was like... The brewer wasn't willing... He was like, I'm just all about, uh, you know, Budweiser. They wanted to mask. Don't and shake your head. You interrupted me and I was trying to say something. We can interrupt each other without you rolling your eyes. (laughs) You're funny. All right. If you'd like to continue now with what you were going to say. I didn't even get to finish my point. What were you going to say? Please stop wasting time. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that the reason why they weren't interested is because the brewer didn't want to... mass produce yeah i keep shaking out something over here yeah that's what i was trying to say is is none of them seem very boozy except for like mark cuban or someone and he was more wanted to do the budweiser route of not craft beer and um you know like we've done reports before they almost need to make a legalized term for craft beer because they're calling everything craft beer now and none of it is none of it's small batched barley milked by hand anymore I concur. All right, let's hit a baby. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. And then we'll go That's into cocktail fine. corner. That's fine. Went way more. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting stinking on something I stir or shake. So this week in Cocktail Corner, we're going to do a classic shot drink that we haven't done on the podcast before. It's one of the, if you go to a bartending school and you learn shots, it's one of the first shots you learn to make. This is called the B-52. It's three parts, like a lot of shots. Equal parts, so it's easy to do as long as you have the drinks. You are going to need um, some Baileys or a coffee liqueur. I'm sorry, Kahlua is your coffee liqueur. Bailey's is going to be your creamy liqueur. And then you're going to need a triple sec, preferably Grand Marnier. I don't have Grand Marnier in the cantina, so we're just using some kind of generic triple sec. But you know, with a shot, who really fucking cares? But, you know, Grand Marnier is expensive. But if you're only using a third of it in a, in a shot glass. So what we're going to do first, this is a layered drink. I'm not very good at laying things. 
but um, if you have a steady hand and a cold bartending spoon, a little can go <laughs> a long way. Um, so first we want to start with the coffee liqueur, such as Tia Maria or Kahlua. So this one, we don't, you know, we just dump this shit in. Do you like Kahlua, even? I suppose. It's from Mexico. You're from Mexico. No, I'm not. McCray is not a classic Mexican name. <laughs> um, next is the Irish cream. So this is where you got to pour it in slowly over the uh, a cold bartending spoon. Do I you just... know how to do anything slowly? Um, I drive pretty slow. Mm. I think pretty slow. Whoa. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Ah, it you almost did it. Sort of layered there. Try to keep it in the glass. That one didn't layer as well. Because you spilled it all over the place. And so that was the Bailey's, and your third one is going to be your triple sec, your Grand Marnier. Um, so you're going to pour this using the spoon as well. We'll do our shot, and then I'll talk a little bit more about the shot. All right, heathen. What do you smell that? No, I hate that shit. Well, this shot's gonna have a lot of sugar in it, so this is like super duper fun for me. Well, it's a shot. Well, I don't really. I sip my shots. I don't know if people know that about me, but I sip them. Even like a Irish car bomb I'll say yeah that's gross because those actually like ferment so it's not really layered that nice um, a b52 any of those layer drinks can look pretty nice I'm gonna drink two this week that I won concert tickets from Yelp to go see a couple bands that I haven't really heard of one I've barely heard of and the other I haven't heard of at all but hey that's what Spotify is for and you know it's free music and it's a three-day weekend so you got to do something during that time other than have fun so I drink two. Free concerts and a three-day weekend. Anything not being at work is good, unless you have something bad Stupid happening to you. people around you. If you sip it, you're just going to have the, the orange on top. I'm not a fan of this. Sip, shoot it. I can't shoot shots. Yes, I don't know can. how many. No, I can't. Stick I it, really can't. Stick it down your throat. No, I can't. It's mostly coffee. Did you see what happened to me when I did the blowjob the other week? Yeah, that really fucking sucked. Yeah, I drank like three of them. Faster than any of us. Did someone say blowjobs? I'm there. You can count me in. So a little more I was going to say about the, the B-52 is that it was actually, it was invented in the 70s, and it was named after the band. I was um, going to sing the song. Which song were you going to sing? Rome, if you want to. Oh, what a surprise. You didn't go with Love Shack. So that's, I give you a hit of baby for that. Yeah, that's fine to hit this baby. For not doing the obvious Love Shack. Standing in the place that you were. Wait, is that R.E.M. That's featuring, not even... Featuring B-52s? You, so who is the idiot here? B-52s were on that song. Look it up. Dumb boat. <laughs> so uh, one story behind the B-52 shot is it was invented by Peter Fitch, a head bartender at the Banff Springs Hotel in Banff, Alberta. Oh, it's a Canadian shot. 
Um, he named all of his drinks after favorite bands, albums, and songs. This drink was, of course, named after the band, B-52s. Um, one of his first customers for a B-52-owned uh, customers that, that ordered the shot owned restaurants in various cities and liked the drink so much that he put it on the menu. And I think that's all that we really need to say about it. There are some um, variations. There's a Flaming B-52, which um, probably... You light on fire? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Triple sec at room temperature will not ignite easily, so it should be warmed up beforehand or topped with an additional layer of dark overproofed rum. Good like to know. You're being a real... <laughs> Sorry. Being... I cracked myself up. You're being a real piece of work today. <laughs> Not a fan of it. I'm being a real piece of... C-U-N-T. <laughs> what is work? Like Rihanna says. Let's go into feature presentation. I want to tell everyone at home that Heathen won't drink her B-52 <laughs> shot, and all she's getting is the gross triple sec on top. You need all flavors. I don't understand. <laughs> I cannot shoot shots. Yes, you can. No, I really can't. I'm telling you. Drink you drink two bottles of wine a night, and you can't drink an ounce and a half of liquor? Thank you. No, I can't. I don't believe you. I don't okay. even think you have the word can't in your vocabulary. <laughs> I think you're just spelling it wrong. It's spelled with a U. <laughs> I'm being serious. Anyways, trying Serenity now is all I have to say. This week in feature presentation, the movie's Neighbors 2. Did you know that Neighbors 2 has a subtitle or a, what do you call it? Not a, what do you call it? A middle name? A second name? Yeah. Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. Um, Gross. With a runtime. <laughs> the runtime of 92 minutes. Here's a synopsis in case you're not aware of what this particular film is about. By the way, this, uh, this segment may contain spoilers and uh, things to say things about the movie. So if you don't want the, the twisty turny plot of Neighbors 2 ruined for you, then you better fast forward the next 20 minutes. So here's the synopsis. You can listen to this part. Unless you don't even want to know what Neighbors 2 is about. Or if you're dyslexic, you might think it's about two neighbors. <laughs> Alright, when their new next-door neighbors turn out to be a sorority even more debaucherous than the fraternity previously living there, Mac and Kelly team with their former enemy, Teddy, to bring the girls down. Sorry, I read that so slow. It was it was small print. <clears throat> All right. Small print makes you talk slow? All right, Heathen. Here's a couple notes about the movie. I don't have very many because there's not a whole lot of intrigue behind Neighbors 2. 
This is Seth Rogen's first live-action sequel. Rose Byrne says to her daughter in the movie, "Do you see things that I don't? Uh, do you see things that I don't?" This is a reference to her character from Insidious, a movie that Heathen really likes. Mm. Rose Byrne was actually pregnant with her son Rocco while filming this movie. That worked. Uh, LL Cool J's role as best father can be seen in the Red Band trailer, but his role did not end up in the actual film. I never saw the Red Band trailer, so I did not know that he was in this. And I just found out, I was reading, that if you want to see Jubilee in the new X-Men movie, Eugene's favorite comic book character, you'll have to wait for the Blu-ray, because she got cut out of the movie, and is only in the deleted scenes. It's Jubilee. How could people not want to see Jubilee? Her mutant power is sparkly lights. Well, apparently Eugene is not the best chooser of It's a joke. No one likes Jubilee. All right, Heathen, that's my notes. First topic I want to talk about, as you heard on my clip, is Zac Efron. All right, who wants to go first? Oh, go for it. I'm waiting with anticipation. All right. Um, I think I'm really starting to like Zac Efron. Ooh. Like a like-like? No, I just... um, so you hear girls often talk about this in Hollywood and other things. They say that their looks, or not even in Hollywood, in real life, although I think it's kind of bullshit, um, that looks can get in their way. They don't be taken seriously. And I think that is a case, can be the case for guys too. Um, it's hard for me to take Zac Efron seriously, who came from High School Musical, and I just thought was like, I think that's where he came from, right? High, high School Musical. And... Um, but, like, he's got a pretty good track record now. And he's in that movie, So-and-So Need Wedding Dates, with um, Adam Devine. And and just from the trailer, it looks like that he's pretty funny in that movie. And Yeah, I want to see that movie. And uh, he was pretty good in this movie. I don't know if he always makes the best career choices, but I like that he's kind of, you know, moving outside of his, 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 his boundaries zone. a little bit. I thought he was good in this movie. Way better than the Day Franco. I don't like the Francos, especially the Day Franco. I don't know which Franco I like less. I don't know if they have a third Franco that I can dislike. But but Zac Efron, I think I'm all right with. I think I might get a, a, a Zac Efron t-shirt. That's pretty fantastic. Say, I'm Team Efron. <laughs> so anyway, I'm done with what I wanted to say about Zac Efron. Heathen, what do you have to say about Zac Efron? Not a whole lot. You didn't like him in this movie? I did. I liked the whole movie, but, I mean, nobody really, like, stood out. That's fine to hit this baby. I switched back to beer, by the way, everybody at home, because I couldn't drink that whole bottle. It got, like, a five-gallon bottle of rum that Ethan was trying to make me drink. (laughs) So what were you saying about Zac Efron, how great he was? What else? Sure. He was fantastic. Thanks, Ethan, for giving us some color commentary on that topic. Next one, oh, I'm going to skip that one. How about this movie uh, being a sequel, and sequels usually have to build, be uh, uh, bigger, better, more intense, more action, more comedy, more um, talk-worthy. I don't know what that word is that they talk about, but um, push, push the boundaries. So they tried to do that a little bit in this one by saying... That um, girls are worse than boys, or girls are harder than boys. So Seth Rogen's uh, friend is saying, like, he's making fun of Seth Rogen for having a girl and and the other dude's having a boy. And 
that's a stereotypical one about having daughters and sons is like, yeah, if you've got a son, you're like high-fiving him when he's, well, if you're a dad, you're like high-fiving him when he's one of 25 dudes screwing a girl in an elementary school bathroom. Like, that's ripped out of the headlines, even. You didn't see that. But you're not going to do the same thing as he says. You're not going to, like, call up your best friend and be like, oh, little little Kelly just got fucked. Come over and have a beer. Let's celebrate. So, um, so besides raising girl or just uh, in this in this one they tried to make it which i also agree with that girls are smarter and more complex so um as an enemy they were harder to take down but i don't know i think girls have some weaknesses everybody has weaknesses um, a pretty bad even weakness for girls is that they're too emotional so that can get in the way of trying to plan something as you let your emotions yeah and that's sort of what happened in the movie is is they started um turning on each other and uh you know uh, falling apart from the inside same can happen with guys but the advantage of girls is they tend to talk things out where guys are just like fuck that guy and then it's over or they'll be like hey fuck you why'd you do that they'll actually talk instead of doing this sinister like she did this she did that you know talking so even though girls are good at talking they don't know how to actually actually talk like and say the problem guys at home you know what i'm talking about right you know when your girl comes home and she's like you know what you did uh it's fine to hit that baby <laughs> hey then drink god damn it i'm just i'm getting a kick out of just watching you so what do you think about girls being worse than boys i agree can you elaborate i i think i did i mean they're more difficult to raise um because of all the bullshit emotions that girls have and they can get pregnant i mean yes guys can get pregnant or guys can get, get somebody pregnant. pregnant oh yeah but really when it comes down to it like the girl is is pretty much responsible if she gets pregnant or not where a guy might be responsible for child support if they can find him so that true but they will always find you eventually. If he, if he doesn't go ghost protocol. But, uh, uh, you know, one thing I thought was interesting about this movie. And uh, girls are pretty scandalous, too, where guys are pretty black and white. Girls are just out of control. Yeah, not that it was realistic. And I actually won't spoil this part for the movie. But there's a part in the movie where the girls do a prank on the neighbors. And Zac Efron, who at this time is mentoring them. Um, he's like, that was way, that was way past the line. That was way over the top. Yeah. That's what I'm and talking about is, is the inappropriateness sometimes because girls can think of really shitty things to do. Yeah. And I've seen that a little to bit people. too. I, I, I'm not a fan of April Fool's Day or other things like that. Cause I don't like prank wars because I don't like the way they escalate. But people I know that do do prank wars, it's usually the women that just don't like understand like enough's enough. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I just uh, microwaved your cat. He he he. Like girls can get fucking crazy. Why I'm not a fan of just girls in general is because I know I can think of some crazy shit, and I've seen my friends think up some really crazy shit too. So yeah, it's it's a high pr- price to pay just to have someone to wash your dishes and do your laundry, if they even do that anymore. Equal rights. Now, speaking of, though, I thought it was interesting that such like a raunchy, um, dirty, somewhat lowbrow comedy had such a strong message of girl power in it. And 
when I was listening a little bit to our first podcast on the first um, episode, um, the the neighbors one, which I don't remember the movie that well, but I listened to a little bit talking about it, and Portland Mike was talking about how that movie did some of the equal where Rose Byrne in that movie was like like um seth rogan kind of was just tired just want to stay at home just watch tv and smoke pot and rose Byrne was like fuck i want to still party i want to go out and do stuff i want to break shit and this movie wasn't so much her but i mean it was about a sorority was really um like a girl can do anything a guy can and and this movie they're trying to say in some ways better but i also liked i did like the message even though it's weird to get a message in such like a lowbrow movie that the reason these girls started a sorority was, one, they wanted a party because they said it wasn't fair that fraternities are, are allowed to party, but sororities Couldn't. aren't. They're not allowed to. They're specifically not allowed to. But also, they didn't want to go to the fraternity parties. They wanted to have, like, fun parties. They didn't want to dress like sluts. They didn't want to do, like, jello wrestling and oil wrestling. They Their parties still looked cool. They still, like, had themes and costumes and stuff like that. But it was... It was um, you can have fun. More of a social thing than a sexual thing. Yeah, you can have fun without turning everything into being a slut. So um, even though I, like just about every other guy, like sexy Halloween costumes, I mean, enough is enough sometimes. Like, if unless you're going to a specifically adults-only Halloween party, it's just kind of weird to see adults walking around where kids can see, where you're basically wearing stuff that you wouldn't even wear to the beach unless you were in Brazil. Um, so it's just, you don't, and now you're starting to see that with younger kids' costumes, younger girls, like it's Mm -hmm. all about, um, sexualizing things. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman looking sexy or a man looking sexy, but just when you have to propagate that and stuff it into everything, um, like heathen doesn't like some of the, we have a lot of bar crawls, themed bar crawls here in Reno and the Santa Crawl is, is known for this art man who has a um, like a, a, a kind of a show where he goes around and shows sexy places around the world and parties around the world. He's been up here a couple times, and I do think it's sort of interesting because wintertime in Reno can be snow and ice on the ground and below 30 degrees, and you'll see girls walking bar to bar, sometimes half a block, basically wearing a string bikini. And again... I don't want to sound like um, I'm preaching here, but you, as a woman or a man, you can look sexy without showing everything. Kind of got soapboxy there for a little bit, I think. No, I agree. It's it's not that, um, like, I'm envious of women that want to run around like that. I just don't really want to see it myself. It's like, can't do you not have enough self-respect? So, yeah, I mean, I can't say that I mind seeing it. It's just in general. Well, of general, course not. You're a guy. I don't really. But as a theory, I mean, I'll, I'll uh, you know, it's like, it's a spectacle to look at. I mean, there's a lot of things you look at, but you don't, I mean, it doesn't mean that you think it should exist. I mean, just because I look at like a motorcycle accident on the side of the road doesn't mean that I wish that more motorcycle accidents happened. You know, it does, if that makes sense. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not, not a total equal parallel. Um, if I saw someone in a chicken suit, you know, going into a fancy restaurant, I'd look at them too because it's interesting that someone's wearing a chicken suit in like a five star. Right, right. But I'd be like, that's totally inappropriate. This is. That's what I'm whatever. saying. But 
Um, well, like I wanted to go to the pajama crawl because I have some pretty cute Oscar the Grouch pajamas. Mm-hmm. But we were uh, just some friends and I were talking about all it is is it's another excuse for women to just run around out side of the bedroom with their lingerie on and i'm i mean i used to do that too when i was younger like uh when we were going to clubs and stuff i didn't want to wear like a jacket or anything and so i would freeze myself going from the car to the casino or wherever whatever club we were going to um just so that i wouldn't have to carry anything and i could wear my my sexy outfit but I definitely wasn't like, uh, here's my boobs, you know, like. Well, I think um, every girl does that a little bit. But again, you're going to a club. You're not going to, um, you know, out where children can see you or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. So Um, it reminds me of, um, well, a little little off off topic. But anyway, my point was is I thought it was interesting that, that uh, a movie that you expect with nothing to say um, had a little bit of a message or tried to. And there was, you know, people talking about it. It was part of uh, how they related the different characters. They had the sorority talking about that. They, uh, they, they changed Zac Efron's character arc because he was a classic... Um, frat dude and then the girls were talking about or he he when he comes in he's like what's wrong with frat parties and they're and they're like uh he's like we had lots of frat parties here we had um pimps and hoes and yeah. like westerns and india hoes and um ohio's and or i think i messed and that indiana's up. No. indiana's and ohio's yeah, yeah. that was funny. and then he's like oh and then I like it where there's the part where he uh, tells one of his frat bros or something that, um, like, ho is no longer an acceptable word. It's not okay anymore. It's kind of funny because it was that guy from. But, <laughs> but. Um, it was a really funny movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I'll, I'll cover this a little bit in a bit, but I, I do want to say that um, it's hard to have a good sequel in general. And I think it's hard to have a good comedy sequel because. Most of the good comedies, when they try to make a sequel, they do try to top themselves. And instead of being funny, they're just trying to be more like... Um, Outrageous? Yeah, like like shocking. Like the first Hangover movie I thought was really funny. And the other Hangover movies were not good. Um, I liked all of them, but yeah, the first one. But the first the one, if if I went back and I, I I don't I don't think it's currently like in my top ten favorite comedies, but it probably would be in like the top twenty if I went back and watched it. I remember really laughing hard at it the first. I've seen it a couple times. It's a funny movie. Um. So we talked a little bit about. Well, I talked a little bit not about not liking pranks. Do you have a, a favorite prank that you pulled or a, or a big prank that's played on, played on you? Have you ever gone into a prank war? It's not that these, it's not that the adults in the sorority were playing pranks on each other. I mean, but they basically were. They're basically pranks, just like the first one, like with the um, emergency cushion. Um, I'm usually the prankster. I, people don't usually do shit to me. Do you have a favorite prank that you pulled? Well... There's a couple of them. Did like, you ever do a shitty prank to someone that wasn't supposed to be funny? It was just like shitty. 
like in this movie? Well, yeah, kind of. I do that to my mom every year for April Oh, so it was April supposed Fools. to be shitty? Yeah, because I try, I try to make her cry or whatever. Like the one time I asked you to call my mom and say that I was in the hospital, and you were like, no, I'm not no, doing you, that. You, well, you, call, you told me to call her and, and say that her house was on fire and the dog had <laughs> yeah. gone out or something. Yeah, see, I'm really shitty. But you never had like an enemy or something where you're like, well, I'm going to um, call PG&E and get their power turned off or something like that. Like you've never done something bad to someone like that or someone you didn't like, like, um, like, uh, like put a bunch of powdered soap on their bike and then peed all over it. So the, the bike, uh, the soap stuck to it and it was stuck to it. By I'm pee. pretty sure I've done some pretty bad things. Um, or just I some... mean, just, just in one time I was like bored. I don't know if it's really like pranking somebody, but I guess I pranked the driver. I grabbed my grandmother's what, walker. What driver? But I'm going to tell you, I grabbed my grandmother's walker and I was bored and we lived right by a stop sign. And so I pretended like I I was hurt and was taking my sweet little time to go across the street. And so there was like, by the time I made it halfway, there was like a couple cars on one side and a couple cars on the other and somebody honked at me. So I just picked it up and walked across the wet. People were really How old were you when you did that? Um, I was in junior high. Okay, yeah, that sounds like stuff that we would have done in early high school because I grew up in a small town and we did, and I've, I've tried to teach people in Reno a lot of these things because Reno's small, but like the invisible rope where you get two people on each side of the street and you both you pretend that you you're like playing tug of war and people will stop if if you're in like a slow kind of main street area. Mm-hmm. Um, you do the thing where you uh, get a couple of your friends and you just start pointing at the sky at something and then you get a big group of people around. We did this in China. I should have videotaped this. We got about a group of like 35 people around us. I, I taught some of the foreign teachers the point at the sky thing. And uh, yeah, we got like, we almost got like mauled by the, the wall of people around us because we were just pointing at the sky at nothing that existed. Anyway, I'm not a fan of pranks. But those aren't really pranks. That Those are just no. growing up in a small town and just you're being bored. Well... I can't think of, I'm pretty sure I did shit to my friends too, but I just know that every year on April Fool's, because my mom forgets about it every year, I really like to All right, Heathen, do shit to her. I'd like to talk about escrow. Okay. <laughs> what would you like to know about escrow? A big part of this movie, the whole plot hinges on escrow. Okay. I actually didn't really know what that was, so I'm glad they explained it to me. And I think that that's their audience, is me, not knowing what escrow was so what do you think about that um i think escrow is an important thing um so is it like two things there's two sides of escrow okay there's going through escrow through closing and then you have an escrow account to pay for your um i just lost my train of thought your uh homeowner's insurance and your taxes so how does that affect your insurance and taxes Oh, it goes into an account so you can pay it. The mortgage company pays it for you. Escrow costs more? No. Anyway, let's... I, I don't understand any of that. <clears throat> but I understand that you can um, negotiate not having escrow so that if you're like a motivated... If you want to motivate the seller... No, you still have to go through escrow. So I that mean, part you can of the movie it. was wrong? Um, they have to allow at least a three-day rider rescission so that could... So quote unquote days. be an escrow but only for three days well it's not really 
So that part of the movie. So what I'm talking about in the movie. I don't movie, think that's true. What I'm talking about in the movie, everyone at home, is that Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne have sold their house, but they have a 30-day escrow, so the people buying it have 30 days if they decide they want to buy it or not, and that's why the sorority is a big problem, is, they, is, is the new buyers can come in and check in at any time, and they don't want to see that there's a big party house next door. But, and Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne come to the girls and they say, hey, can you just not, you know, just chill for 30 days and then do whatever you want? And the girls are like, no, our right to party, like the Beastie Boys, is very important. And they had to make the money. And on the other hand, so Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne ask a real estate agent, they're like, so do we have the same thing? So we can, because their, their problem is they've already bought another house. And if these buyers don't buy their house, they're fucked. They have two houses and they can't afford two houses. So they asked a real estate agent, so we have this escrow too? And they're like, no, you said get this. There was a lot of people that wanted to buy that house and you told me get it in any cost. So you like negotiated out of your escrow. So you have to take the house now. But that part's not. And it's not that I'm expecting this movie to be accurate. Well, what they're what he what they're trying to explain is that normally when you are a homeowner and you're trying to purchase another house, within that escrow, the sale or the purchase of that house is contingent on you selling your home. They opted out of that option. They bought the house. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that also sounded like they. Had no other way really, to get the Really, the escrow is mostly for like the title companies and, and everything, because um, you can't get those things done in like a day. So, okay, uh, this is actually a topic we talked about on on the first episode of Neighbors, but I don't really remember that that clearly. I'll just bring it up again to see what you have to say. Um. And it was it was interesting because they really they really pushed it a little bit more in this one, when so Zac Efron basically um, he goes he goes a little bit uh, the girls consider him a little bit over the top he's he's too he's trying to mitigate the risks actually they have a plan to make money he's like this is too risky this is too risky and they they kick him out for basically being the old guy and. He's, I'm guessing 25? he's still under the age of... Uh, 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 I think he said he was 25. Yeah, I'm going to say in the movie he was probably that age, and probably in real life he's still probably not too far over 30 or around there. I, I have no idea. Um, do you remember the first time, or it doesn't have to be the first time, but do you either remember like the first time that you felt like the old person in the room or just now when you go around young people, like something that, that either they do to make you feel old or something that you're just like, oh, I feel like the old person now. Just recently. I've never felt that way until like recently. So what happened recently that made you feel like the old person? Um, just, I guess, maybe some of my coworkers, because I'm pretty knowledgeable about finances and, and banking, um, there's a lot of things they just don't know. And I can hear the, uh, immaturity or the ignorance when they're speaking to people. And like, I, I don't know where you got that. Cause that's not true. Like, why don't you know this <laughs> kind of a thing? And I, I just noticed that everybody in my office comes to me. Even my manager will come to me with questions about regulations. You could be a younger like person that. and that can happen though too. Well, I've always been that way, but just for some reason, I feel old. So I, I won't really talk about the topics I talked about last time about when I felt old, but uh, but a little bit the same. I don't know if I talked about this last time, but the thing that 
this actually even makes younger people feel old. It's so weird when someone's like, have you ever heard someone that's like 21 talking to someone that's 25 and they think the person that's 25 is so old? Have you ever heard that conversation? Mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. Um, Because to me, there's no difference between 20. Well, there's very seldom difference between 21 and 25. For me personally, I was a total different Um, person from 21 to 25. But a lot of people I hear them say like, oh, like 2012. That's when I graduated from high school. Like, but anyway, for me, it is those those kind of dates. But when I um, when I was going because I went back to college late. If people don't know, I went back in my 30s, and my classmates, of course, were regular college age people, and they were ones that um didn't remember 9/11. It was something that they like barely remembered, or it's like. Something they remember because it's been talked about so much. It's like a false memory. Like the so, Vietnam War. So, so that was weird. Well, I don't remember the Vietnam War. I wasn't I, that's alive. what I'm saying. We were not there. But yeah, but they were like we know about it. they were like three or four or something, and they think they remember it. So that made me feel old at that time. Um, also, the same classmates that were talking about um, Seinfeld and the fact that they had all known it and watched it, but they were talking about it specifically like that it was some weird time bubble kind of thing. Because they, they didn't watch it when it was first on, of course, because I, I think it went off the air when I was in junior high, uh, or around there, I think. But um, just the fact that they're watching on TBS, and they were just saying, oh, you know, and they called it like that old show, that old show Seinfeld. You know, how I, how I might refer to like um, like um, Andy Griffith's show or something like that. Old show, like... Mayberry. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I, one of my coworkers, they, I, well, they talk about high school a lot still. Like, oh, do you remember this person from high school or what high school did you go to? And I don't have that those conversations anymore with people. Yeah. And I remember, uh, like, just a, a day or two ago, um, one of them was saying, oh, I graduated in 98. And I was like, wow, my kid was born in 95. That's so weird. Um. Here's some other small things. These aren't the big things about me, but um, hearing Guns N' Roses on classic rock radio. um, Again, a lot of these examples are like several years old, too. Like maybe up to 10 years old when I was starting to feel old. Um, When Green Day was starting to get really big with that like Fork in the Road song and that that's all people knew Green Day from and they didn't realize that Green Day had been around since like the early like 1989 or something and had a bunch of albums before. They didn't even know like the popular Green Day, like... The stuff they do play on the radio. That's like the one Green Day song they knew. Um, I can't think of anything. I think there was something else I was going to talk about feeling old. But I think that's enough. I think it's just how well you adapt to feeling. Not feeling old. Because you don't have to feel old. No one, like my mom still doesn't feel old. But people can perceive you as old. And... I think it's how well that you are comfortable with that. So I have some, even though this is contrary to our sexual stereotypes, I have a lot of guy friends that have a really tough time with this, that insist on, and it's before they even got to that middle age crisis that you see in movies or whatever, that it's really important that young girls think they're attractive. It's really important that they still seem cool. It's really important that they talk to younger people and seem cool when they talk to them. I, I think you have that. I, I don't think I have that at all. Because um, I'm very open about like telling people, like, oh, I'm old, or you guys may not know, or I look old, or whatever. Yeah, like, but I, do I that think kind that of... you have an insecurity about not knowing 
what the younger people are talking about. I have that. I don't want to really call it an insecurity. I just don't like to be, I just don't, it was not about young people. It's, it's that I want to know things. So it could be old people too. I mean, I'll go and I'll look up stuff that old people are talking about, but old people usually aren't talking about things that you see on TV every day or the media. If there's something I really don't know, um, and you know, sometimes those things I can be embarrassed about knowing, but no, what I'm talking about is, um, like I have friends that are my age that are like approaching 40 and they just, they, um, they like that they have to tell you, oh, I could still pass for under 30. Like they, they tell you, like they have to convince you like it's a debate, but they don't have any facts. It's, it's like so needy for them. They, um, they still have to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to look good or whatever. And I do have a lot of friends that look very youthful, but it's just, if you keep trying to hang on to that, you're going to end up, um, look, you're going to end up like that woman in that movie, Sunset Boulevard or whatever. You can't just trade on your looks and everything. Eventually you've got to like be the old quarterback that's on the bench trying to teach the younger people, you know, some tricks. Not that they'll listen, but. Another example, I definitely feel old at work for sure. Um, I was helping one of the newer girls do an IRA distribution. And one of the qualifications is, are they under 59 and a half? And the guy's birthday was in 66. So I'm like, well, you know, I said, do the math. And she's like, what is that, like 59? And I'm like... No, he's 49. Oh, that's almost 50. And I'm like, well, I'm 39, but I'm not. Don't start saying that I'm almost. That's 40. Yeah, I've heard that. Not exactly that, but I've heard young people do math before. So, like, I, I'm born in, in 77, and I've heard um, people try to do that math before where they're like, 77? What is that person, like 50? Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. I remember doing that, though, too. Or I have, um, you know, a couple friends that are younger than me or like uh, uh, this example was someone that's um, a younger brother of a friend who now that he's older, we're we're close in age. He's like 30 and I'm 39. But when I was like 26 and he was like, I don't I can't say I can even do the math now. But as you get older, those gaps narrow. But I remember him when he when he when we were both younger, this is like 15, 20 years ago. He'd be like, you were born in the 70s. Did you wear disco pants and all this? I was like, I was three years old in the 70s or two years old. Like, I'm not from the 70s. I was born in the 70s, but I don't know anything about him. But he'd always treat me like like I was, you know, like I grew up in the 70s. Like that I knew disco. That would be you being born in the 60s. Yeah. So, again, that's just, you know. All right, I don't really have. Oh, actually, I do have one more topic I'd like to cover, and then I'll open the floor up to you. And then we'll move on. Um, I thought it was interesting in this movie. Another kind of point, and I like the way they did it. So Zac Efron, he changed teams. He, well, he didn't really have an identity. All of his friends had had moved on and done things and done big boy things. And he wasn't, he was still working at um, Abercrombie and Fitch. And they'd got, they'd done away talking about doing away with sexism. They'd done away with the shirtless models. And he was talking about how he was the oldest guy there. And that um, his he had to like cover for his boss because his boss had to go to prom. But his big part of the movie is he kept asking people, "What what I do does that have value to you?" And it was at first I was thinking, "Is he trying to get money so he has somewhere to live?" But he wasn't trying to get money. He wanted to feel that he had something to contribute. Right. And it wasn't about money, and it wasn't that he 
even really needed to be needed, although that was in there. It was just he wanted to feel that he had value in the world, and that's why he went to um, mentor the girls. He didn't want really anything out of that. At first, like I said, I thought he wanted a place to live, or maybe they'd give him money, but he wanted to have value. Um, and that's what he asked him. Does it have value to you? And then when he goes to um, Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, he says, if, if I could do that, does this have value to you? That's really interesting, I thought. Um, if you look at that in, in the larger thing um, picture in, 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 in um, um, <laughs> if, if, if you can extrap- extrapolate that <laughs> to, uh, to something else, it's interesting that people do want to feel like they have value. A lot of people do. Um, or if you don't, then you don't really have an investment in that kind of thing. So like maybe at my job or certain things, I don't necessarily need to be told that I have value and I don't need to feel like I give value, but also I don't give a fuck. But you kind of, I think a lot of people without just asking the question like he did, is you do want some sort of feedback that what you're doing has value to someone or anyone. It doesn't even have to be something. You just want to feel like what you're doing or what you are, like you have a purpose somewhere on the planet. Even if it's um, arranging gay weddings, that is your calling. It's, it's, I know this is something that you talk about in a different way quite, quite a bit, but what did you feel about that? Um, I think that everybody does that to a certain extent. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Even though I always say people don't. And this way, I think they do. You you want to feel... Everyone has some sort of ego. Otherwise, why is the purpose in existing on the planet if you have no value everybody here at all? Everybody has an ego. I mean, that's part of psychology, but... Yeah, but if you if you feel like you have no purpose or no value on the planet, why are you here? But I, I mean, well, I think that's why it's important to compliment people or to let them know you I value. value. Yeah, it's very important. I, I, you can't just run on your own ego alone. Um, you need outside um, influences telling you you're doing a good job or. You know, I mean, I can think that I'm doing a good job and I can know that, but it's definitely something different if my boss says, hey, good job. Sure. As a psychology major, you would know that studies show that positive reinforcement usually works better than negative reinforcement. So giving a reward for positive action other than um, punishing for a negative action tends to have better results. So... If you give a dog a treat for not shitting on the carpet, it supposedly works better than kicking the shit out of them. For, although in my experience, you can sometimes it doesn't hurt to tell them no. I mean that's how I've potty trained dogs. I didn't necessarily reward them for pooping outside, but I let them know it's not okay to poop in here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I think it's. It's interesting, and I would find it a challenge to myself and anyone listening to try to find some way in your next week, maybe your three-day weekend, or maybe make it a goal in June to show someone that they have value, a coworker, your postman, um, your dog bather. I don't know. For me, that's a very hard skill to to do that without sounding cheesy or sounding like insincere. Like, 
I really like the way you wash my dog. That was great. Like, I'm not, I'm not good at that kind of thing. But if anyone has any suggestions on how to show value to someone or has an example, um, you can always get us at potablepictureshow at gmail.com, at potablepictures. You can call in 775-996-3986. Give us some examples. This is something I really struggle with. Um, I don't... Um, maybe it's part of my upbringing. I'm not, I don't do well at telling people they did a good job other than when I was in management. That was something that I, that I did pretty well. But other than that, like in my real relationships, friends, family, um, I don't do that. I appreciate you thing very well. All right, heathen, anything else about the movie that you would like to cover before we, uh, do our five and last call? No, I think that pretty much covers it. All right, so I've got a rank for our five this week. The five. The five. So as I talked five, about earlier, we talked about five. earlier, is it's hard to have a sequel. It's hard to have a good comedy sequel. I've ranked my top five comedy sequels. Mine personally, five, four, three, two, one. I'll start at the crust, the least, and end at the one, the best. Um, all of these are worthy comedy sequels. Again, this is just my opinion. Number five, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, one of Keanu Reeves' better movies, and it was a pretty good sequel. Um, I think it, you know, it was just as good as the first one, and it had a lot of nods to um, classic film and had some good writing in there that you would not think of from basically a, a Valley Boy stoner movie. Number four, a movie that I think is somewhat similar, uh, Wayne's World 2. Uh, Wayne's World 1, I, I liked. I think it was one of the few successful Saturday Night Live spinoffs uh, from Sketches. They've tried to do this a few times. Um, but Wayne's World 2 had some interesting bits into it, like when he uh, goes into the desert and hallucinates um, Jim Morrison. Number three, this one has grown on me over time. I think it's because I was such a big fan of the first one, and also this wasn't a this wasn't the the second sequel. This was a sequel, but this was like number three or four. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, I'm not a big fan of a lot of Christmas movies, but I like this one, and so that raises it up. I I really like the first uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. That definitely would make my top ten. Um, but this movie has grown on me over time. This is a movie I could probably watch every year during Christmas time. Number two, I think this is one that I is more memorable memorable to me than the first one and better. Uh, Hot Shots Part Two with Charlie Sheen. And number one, I don't know if this is my number one because it's good or it's just most fresh in my mind, but 22 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street was a surprise to me that it was funny. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't expect that to be any good. I don't expect these TV show ripoffs, whatever. None of them to me have been very good. Charlie's Angels and Miami Vice and um, Starsky and Hutch. But actually, 2021 20, Jump Street was good. And then 22 Jump Street, I think, was like really freaking funny. Um, a notable mention, I can't name this as my own, and this is one of the things where it makes me feel like or uh, sound like a stupid uh, cinephile. But when I was looking for ideas on the internet, one that came up number one again and again was a film, A Shot in the Dark, which was a Pink Panther sequel. And it was supposed to be like the best of the Pink Panther movies. And I watched all the Pink Panther movies as a kid, 
but I was too young to appreciate that kind of comedy. When I heard it was Pink Panther, I thought it was going to be the Pink Panther cartoon, and so when it was like a real movie yeah. with Peter Sellers. And I'm Peter Sellers is supposed to be one of the most gifted comedic actors um, of all time, and I only really know him from like... Um, uh, Dr. Strangelove, and I haven't seen him in a whole lot, and I keep wanting to fulfill my cinematic um, degree by following up on that, so it's just one of my weaknesses. When when you talk about having a weakness, I don't know a lot about Peter Sellers. I've only seen like two of his movies since I was older. Um, but anyway, I will look out for that one. A lot of people name that as the best comedy sequel of all time. Do you have a favorite comedy sequel, Heathen, before going into Last Call? No, I can't really think of anything. Last Call. Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fading Last Call. See? Oh, I think I have one, actually. Oh, yeah. What, what's uh, that? Pitch Perfect 2. I really liked Pitch Perfect, and I really liked Pitch Perfect 2. Yeah, and they have a third one coming up. Mm-hmm. Like Pitch Perfect, the new class. Pitch Perfect, last standing. Will the... Uh... Fat Amy? No, oh, I like that. Um, no, I was going to say, will the um, Christian Grey series qualify, even though it's not no. a comedy? No, it was something I was looking right at earlier. Um, so, Ooh, like, I maybe. saw it as, like, a comedy sequel. Some people had named Army of Darkness, but I don't count that a comedy sequel because Evil Dead 1 and 2 were not comedies. Just suddenly on the third one, they turned it into like the slapstick comedy. Mm. And then they talked about some other movies. I mean, this goes into like Matt Damon winning Best Comedy at the Golden Globe. So anyway, um, next week uh, we have a poll up for the movie club. And uh, what is a landslide for our club is so far Love and Friendship has a shutout. It's got five votes to zero on every other thing. This is like a Jane Austen Adaptation. I'm guessing a bunch of girls have voted. Yeah, I because, voted for it. Because I haven't voted yet. I was number three. Um, I still have not seen The Nice Guys. I'd like to see it. Uh, I, that one's getting really good reviews. Um, I would like to see the X-Men movie, even though it's the lowest Rotten Tomato rated X-Men movie of all time. And it does not have Jubilee. Uh, I still would like to see it. Just, you know, because... So that's next week. We may be covering Love and Friendship next week. I don't have a whole lot else to say. Like I said, um, you can always reach us on a recorded line, 775-996-3986. You can get us on the Twitter at Potable Pictures. You can email us at PotablePictureShow at gmail.com. Look for us on Facebook, Sierra Nevada Movie Club. Look for us on Meetup, Sierra Nevada Movie Club. Have a wonderful evening, I guess. Oh, yeah. That's, that's fine to hit this baby. baby. Is that two babies? Yeah, let me finish this beer. It's one kill. It only seems like um, that I've drank more, but I only finished one beer in a shot. So that's two kills and several drinks of rum. Until next week, everybody, I would like you all to keep it wet. All my neighbors are fast asleep, and I can't find anything to drink. Mackenzie's drank all the great alcohol, so I'm headed down the street to first go. Me and the bad words stand up late. Kitty and Victor got dropped from the plate, but no one was contented with the Wednesday was off, so I said it's only four short from the first go.
Heathen didn't drink or shot. Like none of it. Putting that at the front of the show. <laughs> that was delicious. Oh, we could we should have talked about that as a related story. That that fraternity that fucked up the forest. Oh yeah, that's I saw in, that. That was horrible. That's been in the news a little bit. I haven't actually read it. But tampons and they left tents and yeah, I saw the whole. They thing actually apologized, but I guess. Apologizing doesn't do shit. 